and grab your tablets or smartphones. If you don't have one of those devices, you can be watching the screen behind us. You can follow along on new version, of course, and, uh, and uh, we just encourage you to do that. We are in the beginning of a new three-week series, three weeks being this Sunday, next Sunday, and of course, uh, Christmas weekend, our special Christmas services. And so uh, uh, our series is entitled Emmanuel, Emmanuel, uh, and today's message is God with us. God with us. For me, I don't know about you, but I'm sure probably you as well, but for me, for me, um, the absolute favorite part of Christmas is being able to give that person that you love so very much, that very special, that, that perfect gift that they really want or really need, however it would be. Um, typically, with Marianne and I, how I do all of this, and it's pretty consistent for the last 45 years, but um, typically with Marianne and I, it's usually I, the gift I really can't wait to give her or what she really needs is always gonna be the last gift. And before the last gift, I will sort of do a role play, a little bit of, of thing, oh, I guess that's it. I, you know, I hope you're happy, you know, and then, I'll, oh, I just remembered, I have one more gift to give you, and it's that opportunity to give that one that she really wanted and really needed, and believe me, my wife is very difficult to figure out what she wants because she won't tell you anything, so maybe you've experienced that trying to, to do things with her. She just, uh, she's just a very humble person, and I love her with all of my heart, and she is my woman. Anyhow, anyhow. I believe that when it came to the original Christmas day, when Jesus would actually be born, I believe that, she, that God was all pumped up about that. I believe he was all pumped up, so excited about the gift that he was about to give all of humankind, all of mankind. And that perfect gift, that perfect gift that all humankind not only would want, but would need that we would need, we would need whatever it is that, the, that God himself is sending his son to do, and that is to rescue us, to save us, to redeem every one of us. A, a, a chapter and a verse that most of us already know very well is John 3.16, and I'd like you to read it with me as it's projected on the screens. Do this with me, would you please? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life life. This is a great scripture that so many, so many remember. Let me just one more time uh, encourage you about our Christmas Eve services that we're going to have. As was just announced, the 23rd and the 24th of this month, we're going to be no Sunday morning services, uh, but we are going to be having two Christmas Eve services at six o'clock. And the reason why I want to announce it to you is because uh, we're going to pack this house out. I believe that with all of those of us who are going to be coming and all that we're inviting, we're going to pack this house out this year because Christmas really is that time of year. And the trend now is of most recent, the trend is, is that uh, even before Easter, even before Easter, um, uh, for the unchurched, they are more willing and likely to come to a Christmas Eve service than they are Easter. We used to think that Easter and Christmas were like equal, uh, but it's not that. The trend now seems to be with more coming to a Christmas Eve service than they do on, uh, on, on Easter Sunday. So please, please grab those fly flyers that are out there in guest services, and uh, God would say it something like this. Grab one of those flyers and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. I have one of my doctors coming, and I have a very good friend who's gonna be coming for the very first time to Word of Life on Christmas Eve, and so I'm really, really excited about it. It's gonna be a great service. Uh, I think you're gonna be super blessed and you're going to be very, very, very encouraged. 
Uh, my goal is over these next three Sundays is that people will have a better understanding, have a better understanding of what it means when Jesus, well, excuse me, when the angel said they will call him Emmanuel, Emmanuel. The baby, the birth of Christ, that whole event was a supernatural miracle. This teenage girl had this visitation of a mighty angel, one of the two mightiest angels that we see within the scriptures, and his name is Gabriel. And, and the message to her was that she has been found with favor with God. She has favor with God. And Mary, uh, he says, you're going to have a baby. And, and it's not going to be by natural means. But what will happen is, is that the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and you will conceive a son in your womb. And the baby will be unlike any other, any other baby ever born to a woman. For he is the son of the most high God himself. <coughs> and he will be given the throne of David. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary, this is the one that the world has been waiting for. This is the one. Go with me to Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. <coughs> and it says this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This was the announcement. This was the announcement that people have been longing for for centuries, for centuries. And Matthew makes the announcement, and to me, it's, it's just incredible. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's the good news. This is really what the good news is. This event that we're going to celebrate here in just a couple of more weeks, this is the whole thing, that, the whole reason for all of this. This is the good news of the gospel, and this is what the story is all about. Go with me to verse 22 of the same chapter, and it says, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. Um, what Matthew is about ready to do right now as he's talking about uh, Jesus the Messiah, what he's about ready to do at this particular point is that he's going to quote what Isaiah the prophet says in, in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. The prophet prophesied some 740 years before the event ever took place. Now I don't know what you think about that. I just said that the prophet prophesied some 740 years before this event took place. And again, I don't know how you think about it, but it blows my mind, man. When I think about a word that would be given by a, a person in this part of our world and 740 years, everything he says comes to, to be, it's mind-boggling. It makes me want to fall on my face, prostrate before God and just say, you are awesome. God, you are awesome. There's none who compare to you. I'm blown away by how good our God is, how great our God is, that over seven centuries before the event, on this day in Bethlehem, the prophecy has been fulfilled. Let's read that. Let me read that to you. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 41. And it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, say it with me, shall call his name Emmanuel shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God, God with us. God with us. This was the most incredible, the most astonishing news that would be possible. 
This anointment, uh, the anointment, this announcement was the, the most anticipated, exciting, longed for message that the world has been waiting for. For 740 years, the word came out 740 years before this, and they've just been waiting for this to happen. And suddenly, Matthew says, he's with us. He's with us. He's with us. God is with us. Now, what is it that made the shepherds run back to their fields rejoicing? What is it that would cause those wise men to fall on their face and bow down and worship before the Lord God in that, in that little manger, in that little manger scene? Well, I believe it was the fact, and it's this fact alone, and that is that God is not a distant, far-off, uninvolved God. Let me say it again. The God that you and I serve, the God that who is calling on you to believe on him, to trust him. He is not a God who is distant. He is not a God who is far off or uninvolved kind of God. That God is not someone who just, just watches over us. He's not just watching over us. He's not just watching over us, but now God with us, the creator, the sustainer of the universe. He is a relational God who has stripped himself of all of his own glory, of all of his, his power and presence to become someone like us, like you and I, in the form of a baby, who was all God and yet was all man at the same time. And he was without sin and would dwell among us. He is our God. Come on, give me an amen. He is our God. Go with me to John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Go with me to verse 14, same chapter. And it says, the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. Right here. Right here. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Son, excuse me, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. All of a sudden, Matthew is saying something like this. Listen, listen. I want this to be projected so we can say it together in a moment. God is with you. God was with you. And God will be with you. Would you say that with me again? God is with you. God was with you. And God will be with you. And that's the best news ever, church. That's the best news ever. God is with you. God is with you. God was with you. And God will be with you. But the problem is, is that many of you, and even more unimaginable, the many who are outside these four doors, many of you, many of them just don't believe it. You don't believe it. Some of you in this room, you just don't believe it. And I can tell. I can sense it. I can tell that you just don't believe it. Because, man, you're just sitting there. And here's the deal. Some of you don't believe in God. So because you don't believe that there is a God, hands down, you're not going to believe he's with you. You're not going to believe that the God that we believe, who is supernatural, who is all-knowing, all-caring, all-powerful God, we who believe in that, you don't. And so consequently, with what I'm talking about right now at this moment, you, you just, you don't believe, and because you don't believe, then obviously you can't believe that he's with you. And you have chosen not to believe in him, and I understand that, man. God has given us a free will to say yes to him or to say no to him. And at this point right now, you say no. I don't believe. I don't believe that there's a God. 
and that your free will. Then there's others of us who are here today. <clears throat> For others of us who are here, you're a Christian. You're Christ Father. You gave your life to Jesus at some point. Three years old, 13 years old, 33 years old, 73 years old. You gave your life to Jesus at some point in your life. And, and even right now, you're sitting back thinking, really? This message today is for me that God is with me? Is that really what you're trying to say? Because the fact of the matter is, Pastor, I don't feel him. I don't feel him. I have no tinglies going on inside of me. I have no goosebumps up and down in my spine. I don't feel God. I, I just don't feel him. Some of you are, are in a really tough spot right now, and maybe you don't know this. I'm not sure if you do or not, but you know, Christmas is the, is the, the kind, Christmas is kind of like a, a great magnifier. Magnifier. In other words, it magnifies the good in your life and makes good really, really good. Christmas time makes that happen. And then on the other end, it magnifies the bad times. It magnifies the painful times and seems to make them to be all the more painful when we come into the Christmas season. Some of us who are in this room right now, you're facing for the first time maybe an empty chair for Christmas of your family. Some of you are facing the fact that Someone who you love, desperately have loved. A spouse, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister. However close in intimacy of relationship, they've died. And it's over. And of course, I know you all, most of you know that for Marianne and I, are with our oldest son, it's over. Our relationship with him is over. It's nothing but memories at this point. Good memories, a lot of them. But it's over. And if it's not death that you're dealing with, Maybe, maybe that empty chair is because of a divorce that has now been finalized and he's no longer there. She's no longer there. If it's not a divorce, maybe it's a distance now with one of your kids or two of your kids or however the family and friends may be in your life. They just live so far away. They were just down the street and now they've moved over to Texas or they're down in Florida, wherever they may be. And for you, as you go into this, this weekend or this Christmas weekend, this Christmas season, you have those thoughts too that, that it's, it's just not, it's not all that great. For us right now, it's just not all that great. Sometimes it's in a relational tension that you're dealing with issues, or maybe it's a health issue, or whatever it is that you're going through, you're asking, you're saying to me, Pastor, God's with me? God's with us? I don't feel God. I don't see God. If he's even there, really, you think God is with me? Some of you, if you would really be honest with your life, I'm sure that some of you are sitting in those seats right now, and you're thinking thoughts like this, you know what, I have a past that I'm not too proud of. I've done things that I'm ashamed, and I can't believe that God would want to be with me. Out of everybody out there, me, God would want to be with me. You don't know who I really am. You don't know what I've really done. That God would want to be, God with me, really? That's really hard to believe. Well, before, <clears throat> before we're done today, I'm believing with the help of the Holy Spirit that I could, that uh, I pray that you would be convinced beyond a shadow of a, of a doubt that God is with you and that God was with you and that God will be with you. He will. I have those three quick points that I want to talk about today. I want to be very quick with this. Point number one is God is with you. God is with you. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, and it says these words, Luke chapter 1, 28, and it says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is 
with you. The Lord is with you. This very first truth that the angel tells this young girl is what she needed to know most because it was a difficult mission that she is now to be on. And he said to her, the Lord is with you. Again, I know that some of you are really dealing with some uh, issues hurting on the inside in marvelous ways, tremendous ways. And, And I want you to understand that the Lord is with you, even in your darkest moments, in these things that are frustrating you. Whatever may be going on, the Lord is with you, and he's with you in even a more powerful way than you and I would ever imagine. Because the scriptures tell us that our God is a God of all comfort who comforts us in our trials. So when you and I are going through these difficulties, he's with us. He's with you. And the Bible tells us this. It says in, in Nahum 1 verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So should you be going through a hard time right now, should you be facing challenges and difficulties, you need to understand that God is with you. He's with you in this. The Greek word that is translated for comfort is the word parakletos. Para means alongside, and kletos means called to. In other words, our God comes alongside of you and I because he is called to minister to you and to me in our troubled times. And I don't know what you think about that, but for Randy Chiz, the Typically for me, the issues that I deal with are, are put on by myself. It's not you, it's not others, certainly isn't my perfect wife, and it certainly isn't my perfect kids and grandkids. It's me. And the Bible tells us in this beautiful story that he, God, comes alongside a side of us and he, he comforts us in our trouble that more than likely we've caused ourselves. He's a good God. God is with you. He is a good God. For both Marianne and I, we could sense the comforting presence of God through you when we lost our son. We could feel the comforting presence when we could, we could feel your love when you would pray for us. I can tell you many times, sitting at that table weeping together, and Marianne would say, I can just feel the prayers of the church. I can feel the prayer. And you can, when you're going through those things, you can feel those things. We could feel that your prayers, we, the cards and the, and the phone calls and the gentle approach you gave us over those first few months of our son's loss. I mean, it was just, you, you, were, you were excellent. You were wonderful through all of that. It was so life-giving, so encouraging. So you know, God comforted us in our great loss through you, not only through you, but through you. God did that. And here's the thing, when you understand that, that the God of the universe, the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God, that he is with you, he is with you, it changes everything. It changes everything. Let me define it something like this. When you are lost and you don't know where to go, he is your guide. When you are hurting and feel alone, He is with you as your friend. When you are in the middle of a trial, our God is your comforter. Whenever whenever you are weak, he becomes your strength. Anytime you're lost in your sin, our God is your savior and he is your forgiver. Come on, give me an amen. amen. Anytime you feel filled with fear, our God would whisper to you, but God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of, say it with me, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Anytime you feel like you don't matter to anyone, our God would remind you and say, but I sent my son to your world to prove to you how much you do matter to me. 
Our God reminds you and I that I've sent my son for you. In John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 13, the New Living Translation says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Because our God is with you. God is with you, God was with you, and God will be with you. Number two, God was with us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. And it says these words, it says, Hebrews 13, five, I'm not seeing it, so I'm just gonna say, God has said, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. I tell you what, when you look back, when you look back over your lifetime, and sometimes, do you, know, do you know that God is easier to see in your rear view mirror at times than in the moment that you're in? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered that? Joseph in the Old Testament, I don't know what you know about Joseph, but i just give you a very quick story about Joseph. When Joseph was a young kid in the Old Testament, we're not talking about Mary's Joseph, we're talking about Joseph in the Old Testament. In fact, all the way back to the book of Genesis, um, when, when Joseph was a kid, a young kid, he had big dreams. And Joseph came and announced to his family, and he says this, I'm going to be a leader. When he did that, his brothers who were disgusted with this guy because he was the favorite of all the kids, they were disgusted with him. They looked at him and said, you know what? You're a punk, you're cocky, and you're gonna get beat up. And they ended up beating this kid, this, this young kid who made that proclamation, and it ends up that they threw him in a pit. As a result of throwing them in the pit, they just said, let's just leave him there. Let's, let's just let him go. And one of the other brothers had a little bit of mercy and said, you know, he is our brother. Why don't we just sell him into slavery? Let's just get rid of him that way. And they all agreed to that. And of course, the hand of God is in all, the, all of these decisions that are being made. So they ended up doing that. They all agreed and sold him into slavery. And Joseph lived with integrity, the Bible tells us. Joseph lived with integrity. And yet, yet Joseph was falsely accused of something that he didn't do and would be thrown into a prison. Now, if you're listening to this or looking at the story in the Bible from about a 30,000 feet uh, elevation, you're probably going to think, well, then where was God with all of this? If he ended up in prison for something that he didn't do, where was God? through all of this. Well, the Bible makes it very clear. You have to see this story over the course of this guy's life and realize that God was actually working behind the scenes in Joseph's, Joseph's life. You could actually say something like this, that the pit that they ended up throwing him in, the pit became the passage eventually taking him to the palace. The pit became the passage to the palace is what we can see in Joseph's life. So when Joseph became, uh, when Joseph became actually the second uh, in charge of the largest nation of all the world, and at that time it was Israel, God made that happen for this young guy. And God used him in a very indirect, in a very indirect route to put him in charge of all of the food in those days so that he could save a countless number of people from a tremendous famine that would happen for over seven years. And maybe you're still wondering, are you sure that God was with him? Well, it says to us in Genesis 39, Genesis 39 verse 21 tells us exactly where God was. The Lord was with him. You can look that up yourself. The Lord was with him. That's where God was. He was with Joseph in that time. 
When I look back over the years of being pastor here, 26 years, wonderful 26 years. But when I look over the, the last 26 years of my life being pastor here, sometimes I get a little bit emotional. I choke up every now and then, a tear will flow. And for whatever reason, in these last few weeks, I've been very tearfully, I'm surprised I'm not weeping as I'm talking about all of this right now. But the fact of the matter is, uh, I get emotional when I think about what the Lord has done. I really do. It's incredible what God has done here. I think of about four or five little boys and girls that we now have in this life when their mother and father came to us and said, we're, we're not able to conceive. We've done everything possible. And some of the people of the church would get around them and lay their hands on them and pray over them. And all of a sudden now we have them. We have these little babies, these little boys, these little girls. I'm not sure if mom and dad still are so happy about it, but they were really happy then. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I really am. Over the years, people who have faced unbelievable health challenges, unbelievable challenges to their health, and, uh, and with the help of great doctors and nurses, and of course, our God being the one who brings full recovery to us, we're just so grateful for what God has done for these people who have gone through those kinds of situations. For those of us who have had wandering sons and wandering daughters, came to know Christ, and all of a sudden they're far from God, they're not following God anymore, but now they're back, they're back. It's just so incredible. God is so good to us. God is so good at word of life. A brother or a sister, a mother or a father, a neighbor, a friend, your best friend, co-workers, whoever they may be in your life, who were far from God, and today now because of you, because of what you've done and how you've shared, and maybe some things we did here at Word of Life that they would come, and maybe here at Word of Life they would give their life to Christ, but their lives have been changed. It proves to us that God was with us. My last point. My last point is that God will be with you. Hebrews 11.6, that's why I didn't have it back there because I was at the wrong place. Hebrews 11.6 says these words, but without faith it's impossible to please him for he is a rewarder. For he who comes to God believes that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is with you. God was with you. And God will be with you. God will be with you. No matter what you are going through or will someday go through, for the good or the bad, God will be with you. He will be with you. That means, according to the, the, the scripture that I just read to you, in those times when you're going through those challenges, you're going to have to have faith. You're going to have to believe, God, I know you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. I know that you're with me right now. You have to believe that. God is with you. Mary had a roller coaster kind of life being, being the mother of Jesus. Her highs were really high and her lows were really, really low. And this young teenage girl in the coming years will face the unimaginable that a mother would have to face with, their, with her, her own children. And let me be clear about this next point. Let me be very clear to you. This did not happen. What I'm going to tell you right now did not happen in, according to the scriptures. But let me just say this. What if... What if at this particular point when the angel has just showed up, what if Mary could see her future instantly? What if she could see everything that was going to take place over the next years of her life, of her son's life, all of these? What, 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 would, uh, what if she could see all of that? I'm confident if she could see all that she would go through, that she would boldly declare in faith at each and every one of her highs and at each and every one of her lows that she would say, God will be with me. God will be with me and get me through to the other side. In other words, her faith in God would declare things like this. 
God will be with me when I do conceive this child by the power of the Holy Spirit. God will be with me when I tell Joseph about the angel and the baby and how Joseph has to work that out. God will be with me in that. God will be with me when I, when I have to flee Egypt to protect my son from a very wicked king. At a wedding at Cana, God will be with me when Jesus turns the water into wine and it would be the beginning of his miracles. When the religious leaders would bring false accusations against my son, God will be with me. When they arrest him and falsely accuse him and find him to be guilty and send him to be beaten and flogged beyond recognition, God will be with me. When they force my son to carry his own cross, to be crucified by the sinners that he will die for. God will be with me. When I hear my son say, it is finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. God will be with me. God will be with me. When the sun goes black and the earth shakes as my son hangs his head in death, God will be with me. When we carry his lifeless body off the cross and bring him into a borrowed tomb, God will be with me. When I can't sleep night number one and night number two, God will be with me. And God will be with me on that third day when I would go to the tomb and I could see that the stone is rolled away and I go inside the tomb and it's an empty tomb. God will be with me. Because could it be, could it be that as Jesus said, that he will rise from the dead, that he has risen because sin, death, and the grave has no power over my son. He is the victor, not the enemy. He is the victor. God will be with me. God will be with me because sin, death, and the grave has no power because his name is Emmanuel, almighty God with us. Let me conclude by two scriptures. Romans chapter eight, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, yes or no? No. Shall famine or nakedness, peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor powers nor things, to be, things present nor things to come nor height or death any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing shall separate us. And our Redeemer says these words in Revelation 1.8. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. Almighty God, our God is with us. And there is no question about that ever. He is with us. The only question I want to ask now as I close that needs to be answered today is the question, are you with God? Are you with God? 
it's time to give an honest answer because God is with you. He's here with you right now. And now it's your choice. He wants to reveal his love and his nature, his character and his goodness to you so that you would be with him forever in this place called heaven. And only you can say yes to that. Would you please stand to your feet if I could have our intercessors please come on down. We're gonna do our one and last final worship song of our set. And while we're doing that, I'm gonna ask you if, if you have any need whatsoever. Our intercessors have been praying for you for the last 45 minutes. And so if you have any need whatsoever, we would love to pray with you. They would love to pray with you. And that God would use that in a great way to bring healing and recovery. Why? Because God's with us here today.